We are in the series, probably finishing it up this week, called Thirsty, and uh, it's been, for me, a very enjoyable series, I hope for you as well, and uh, it's amazing what can happen to you uh, when you are thirsty for the, sorry, I'm distracted. (laughs) Jeremy, will you come and fix this for me? Um, When you're thirsty for the things of God. And so our theme scripture for this is Psalm 107, verse 9. Uh, Psalm 107, verse 9. Psalm 107, if you have time this week to read it, if you haven't read it uh, lately, of course, we just, in our time of worshiping the Lord and giving, read some of the script passages, but it's an amazing psalm, and it's a tremendous blessing to you if you take time to read it and uh, receive what the Lord's saying in it. So we're going to look at uh, Psalm 107, verse 9. And then we'll look at uh, Psalm 63 as well. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Again, as we said earlier, you look at who God is and what God does, and then you expect him to act the same way because he has not changed. Like the world changes, cultures change, times change, even you change. But God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And so you see, um, of course, we have a big difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, uh, but he's the same God, the same God of love uh, and mercy. He just hadn't revealed himself in that way before. So he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. And then we'll read a few verses in Psalm 63, starting with verse 1, Psalm chapter 63, verse 1. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see your power and your glory as I have seen you in the sanctuary. And I I love that passage of scripture. Uh, It's been rolling around in my spirit for about a month and a half. And I just, I woke up in the middle of the night last night and that scripture was right there. And I thought, you know, it's like you, you... If you have experienced the goodness of God and the presence of God and you get there, you're really not satisfied to have only that time there. You really want the whole earth, like Habakkuk says, that the whole earth would be covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So for me, my wife laughs at me sometimes, but I'm not satisfied to go and have a good time or to go someplace fun. I want everyone to experience that. Well, I'm the same way spiritually. I'm not satisfied to go into the presence of God, experience uh, things that you really cannot put into words, and be the only one that does it, because it's so good, and he's so good. And so I think that's what the, one of the things that the psalmist is saying, to see your power and to see your glory as I have seen you in the sanctuary. I want to see your power and your glory in a dry and thirsty land. I want your power and your glory to show up uh, not only in my life, but in the lives of others. Excuse me. Uh, verse three, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Marrow there just means, it actually means one literal mean is also fat. I was looking it up and I'm like, well, you just said like marrow and fatness. So you're saying fat and fat? What does that mean? Like, 
In our culture, maybe fat is not cool. I went to Ethiopia, and uh, one of the pastor's assistants that was over there, she kind of made fun of me because uh, she said, you're too skinny, and she said, you need to eat more, eat more. And I'm like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And she's like, no, no, eat more. And I said, really, I'm full. She said, you need to eat more. And I said, why? I don't, I don't really want to eat more. And I said, you know, but you're trying to make me fat? And she said, yes. <laughs> and she said, in our culture, if you're skinny, it means you're poor. And if you're fat, it means you're wealthy. So I want you to look really wealthy. I said, thank you. I can only eat so much. <laughs> um, but it said fat means fat. And then I looked it up, and it said not just fat. It means I shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. We're talking about marrow right now, uh, the Hebrew word for marrow. And it is the richest part or the choice part, right? So you're looking at, I always think when I think of that, I think of like a steak because I like beef. And I think, what is the most choice part of the beef? Um, And it also means the best part, the finest part. And so the psalmist said, I will be satisfied with the best of the best, with the best that you have for me. And then fatness really there means abundance. So I'm going to have like the choice part, the best part, and I'm going to have it in abundance is what he's saying. So that sounds even like if you go on in Psalm 107, the springs of water and the pools of water on, uh, in the dry ground or in the wilderness. So my soul shall be satisfied, verse 5, as with uh, the richest choice, best part, and that in abundance. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Now, one of the keys, I think, to the Psalms and to really understanding the Psalms, because uh, I went to uh, Rhema Bible Training Center. They call it Rhema Bible College now. Uh, So it's a word of faith school. And uh, so you learn a lot about faith. And so, uh, as it happens when you have a lot of students, uh, probably at any school, I'm sure Karis is probably very similar or could be, uh, every once in a while you'll have some student that is the word police. And so they decide, like, they are going to determine what you should and should not say. (laughs) And um, so anyhow, when I first would read the Psalms, you read it and you say, well, like, this is Old Covenant, and what's he talking about? And, you know, drawn to me, and I don't hear you and stuff. Well, really, if you look at the Psalms, uh, so many times, even when you translate from one language to another, like, they'll say what we would consider backwards. They'll say the the, the second part that we read first and the first part second. Um, Well, if you say, my soul be satisfied with marrow and fatness, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Uh, Remember last week we used the scripture, with joy we draw water from the wells of salvation. So it's real interesting. You could actually read the verse and say um, the other way and say, my mouth will praise you with joyful lips, and my soul will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, or as with... Um, the richest or best part in abundance, or you could say that my mouth will praise you with joyful lips, so then my soul is satisfied with abundance of the best and choicest part of who you are. And so the Psalms are really uh, inspired by the Spirit of God. You know, the the Holy Spirit was alive in the Old Testament. (laughs) He just didn't live inside of believers. There weren't any believers. There were people that uh, were righteous by the acts that they did. They were counted righteous. Even then, they weren't perfected in righteousness. Uh, But they never had the Spirit of God living in them, dwelling in them. That's why Jesus said, the least in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, the kingdom of God really just means God has come to live inside of mankind. Uh, The least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. 
Why? Well, because the spirit of God lives inside of you and lives inside of me. The same exact spirit that lived in Jesus, the same exact Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus, that came upon Jesus. You don't read of any miracles that Christ did before he was anointed, before the Holy Spirit came on him, after he was baptized in water in the River Jordan. Like these, these, these stories or these thoughts that you hear about, like Jesus, like a little bird would fall dead and he would go raise it up and stuff like that. That's not in the word. No, he actually laid aside, Colossians tells us, he laid aside his power and his glory, his might that he had when he was with God before he came into the earth. And it says he became, one translation, my favorite says, he became as a mere man, mere mankind. And he ministered that way. But he didn't minister until the Holy Spirit came on him and empowered him. Such a good example for us. And Jesus even told us, he said, wait until you be endued or filled or covered with power from on high. You know, speaking of the day of Pentecost. So he's like, uh, I'm sending you out, right? But he does not, he's not an unjust God. He won't send you out without the equipment that you need to do the job that you need to do. So you have the tools. And so you and I, we have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ himself had. Jesus really, um, Christ, Christ really means the anointed one and his anointing. So you really could say Jesus, the one that was anointed of God, went about healing sick, cleansing lepers, driving out demons. So then you could say like, um, I don't know everybody's name. So I could say like Tim Ostrom, anointed of God, went about this, this, this. Why? Because it's the same anointing. The anointing does the work. Actually, the anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes, we learn um, in the Old Testament. And then we talked about last week, uh, one way to describe faith, I think is a great way, is faith is confidence in God's love for you. Faith is confidence in God's love for you. And faith is acting on the word. So if you're confident in the love of God for you, do you know what kind of security that gives you? Somebody can come up and like speak a word to you. Uh, they could speak a word inspired by the spirit or they could speak a word inspired by the flesh or by jealousy or anything like that. But when you know who loves you and who cares for you and who is watching over you and who can take dry things and make them spring up into water and into life, it's a lot easier to let those things just pass right by you and say, you have no idea who I know. I know him. I mean, I, we, we had the distinct honor and privilege to travel with Kenneth E. Hagin before he went to heaven, okay? And so Jeremy and I were one time over in Egypt uh, for a couple-week missions trip uh, to preach in a Bible school over there and um, right after the revolution initially happened. And so we were there, and um, they had, uh, I don't know if they asked me or they were going to ask, they ended up asking me to talk about the history of Raymond and where it came from and all this type of stuff. And um, uh, Jeremy's like, well, are you going to tell them that you like uh, travel with him? I said, no, that's okay. You know, because sometimes you tell people that and they treat you different and whatever. And I'm just like, no. And so they're all like starting to tell me, well, you know this. No, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know this, this, this. And finally the subject came up and I said, well, yeah, I was like, uh, I traveled with him. But um, uh, you sometimes... Um, you don't have to, like, I didn't feel like I have to share, like, I was with this person, I was with that person, because I was secure in the fact that I don't need to 
boast about that. So sometimes people will say like um, different things to you, da, 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 do you know this, 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 and somebody this week was trying to tell me a bunch of stuff, and I just was like, well, I'm so secure in what I know because I got it from the Lord, yeah. and, and it's in the Word. You know, the Holy Spirit will never lead you outside of the Word of God. And if somebody wants to tell you something or show you something, and it's like extra biblical, meaning outside of the Word of God, <laughs> like I just grabbed hold of what Teal Osborne said, it's too deep for me. Like, that's too much for me. I, I love the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus. Faith in God, faith in the blood, faith in the word. Like, um, uh, one of the best ways you can judge whether you have something from the Lord, some people might call it a revelation from the Lord, is if it's so simple you can't believe it could be that simple that you never saw it before. <laughs> You're really on the right track because then what you'll, you'll do, you'll try to tell somebody the revelation. You'll be like, wait, you know, I just got this great revelation from Mark 11:22. It says, and it is, have faith in God. It means have faith in God. <laughs> like, is that awesome? And sometimes if you don't give them the background, they're like, yeah, that's really cool. What do you mean? Like, and you try to explain it and you're like, it's have faith in God. And you're like, you know, so you know, like you're getting light from the Holy Spirit. He takes the things of Christ and makes them real to you. And it really what happens, it becomes so real, it's, it's like almost you could reach out and touch it. And that is the exact perfect time to act on your faith. Yeah. To just be like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I have faith in God. So Jesus said um, in John, he said, come unto me and drink. And uh, we were kind of there the last two weeks, come unto me and drink. He didn't say, uh, that's John 7, 37 and 38. Uh, let's read that just real quick. John 7, uh, 37 and 38. It's on, in the last day, the great day of the feast, and we talked about that this had been like, uh, it's an eight-day feast. It's in two parts. Seven, the first seven days are part one. Uh, the last day, the eighth day, is part two. Um, and they call it the great feast. And Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And uh, as I studied this, uh, this passage out uh, and this feast out, it was real interesting. And I don't have time to go into all of the details. But one thing that every single commentary writer said about this is that on that last day, the eighth day, the great day, the previous days they would take these three different kind of branches and this uh, one kind of fruit that represents your heart and the branches and they would uh, put them up and down and say Hosanna to the north, the south, the east, and the west. And it's really talking about all of every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue coming in to the family of God. And then on the eighth day, they go and they draw water from the well. And when they draw water from the well, they take and they take it to the priest of the temple and then they spill it out. And actually, a lot of times they'll actually mix it with wine and they would spill that out. So it's wine representing the blood and the water represents the spirit. And even in the Jewish religion, it represents this feast of tabernacles represents the outpouring of the spirit of God. Of course, we know it. It has happened. And so uh, they would do this. But every commentary said this. It says, He that never saw the rejoicing of the place of drawing water never saw any rejoicing in his life. I mean, think of that description. If you had seen something where someone was so joyful, so full of rejoicing, one uh, a literal translation of rejoice actually means to jump up and spin around. Right? And so they're, they're full of joy. 
And you look and you say like, if you have not seen this, you've never seen joy. Like you think you've seen joy. You think you've seen somebody happy. You think you've seen somebody like rejoicing. But until you've seen this, you have not seen it. And this represents the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so he comes with joy. You know, he's a spirit. What is one thing that even really our nation was founded upon? Of course, we know our nation, if you're honest, and read the um, non-skewed history books, you know that our nation was really founded on religious freedom for people to worship Jesus Christ. Okay, Um, but our nation was founded on freedom and the message of Christ, the message that he came, he said, I came to set the captives free and to preach deliverance to them that are bound. Like, so it's a message. The gospel is a message of freedom. And you say like, well, I'm not a slave. Well, do you know, like before you're born again, the Bible says, Paul said, we are all slaves to sin, to obey its lusts and its desires. So sin's trying to take you this way and take you that way. But Jesus set you free from that. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of liberty, the spirit of freedom. And so you realize when the Holy Spirit came, it wasn't like when Jesus came, right? Jesus came, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, the angel said. Right? That's the message. And so all of a sudden, you see like this little child coming, and he's coming, and it's a new message. And Jesus is showing us. He said, I came to reveal the Father, the will of the Father. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But then he said towards the end of his earth life, he said, it's better for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. Comforter is like Greek, it's hoopamon, it's the Holy Spirit, and uh, I always feel like I have to explain comforter. It actually is one that causes you, instead of turning out of a storm and away from a storm, but to boldly stand up and face the storm head on, because you have been emboldened and empowered to stand strong in the face of adversity, in the face of difficulty. And so Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away, because if I, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. So when the Holy Spirit came, he didn't come the way that Jesus came, because Jesus came as one individual being, to be in one place. But the Spirit of God didn't come so that we could say, oh, look at the Holy Spirit. Isn't he amazing? The Holy Spirit came so that he could live inside of everyone that confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and believed in their heart that God raised him from the dead so that God himself could get back what Adam lost in the garden, Adam and Eve lost in the garden, what mankind lost in the garden, which was a close, intimate relationship and fellowship, a walking with God. So the Holy Spirit didn't come to get glory. He even said, I never speak of myself, but what I hear that I speak. So when Jesus speaks to you in your heart, he speaks through the Holy Spirit. What you hear the Holy Spirit speaking is actually Jesus' words to you or God the Father speaking to you. The Holy Spirit says, I do not speak of myself. And Jesus even said when he came, I came to do the will of my Father. I only say what I see my Father do, and I only do what I see my Father do. So he's looking at the Father a lot. Anything that Jesus said about his Father, you can say about your Father, your Heavenly Father. Same Father. He brought us into the family. It's a family of God. And so you could say, I only do what I see my Father do, and I only say what I see my Father do. That should be all of our goals. Because why? Well, when he leads you to do something, man, he's got an anointing there. He's got equipment there. You know you're doing the right thing. One thing you could say is that you really shouldn't separate walking by faith from being led by the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God will lead you in line with the Word. And faith, Bible faith, is based on the Bible. 
It's based on the word of God. And so the Holy Spirit will actually cause you to say the right things. My wife and I were talking about this. I don't know if it was yesterday or uh, this morning, probably yesterday. I had an instructor. Uh, well, he wasn't an instructor for me, but anyhow, there was a dean at Rama after I left, and I worked in the school, so I felt like he was an instructor. But um, he, uh, his wife uh, was sick. I think he was sick, actually. You said his wife, but I think it was him. Anyhow, he was, uh, his, wife, his wife was sick, and um, he went to pray for her. And he said, well, I know the word of God. I just command the sickness to leave your body in the name of Jesus. And nothing changed. And she was still sick. And he's like, well, I got, you know, I'm going to do it again. So he did it again. So finally, after a couple days of this, they decided to ask the Lord about it. Like we, you know, we laugh, but, you know, I would laugh too. But uh, we do the same thing so many times. You're like, I don't know why I put up with that. Um, and so they asked the Lord, and the Lord told them in their hearts, anoint her with oil. And he thought, again, the Lord spoke, but he thought. <laughs> well, we can just speak like we know this. Like Brother Hagin told us, he said, you know, I think the Lord wants people to be healed so badly. That's why he provided so many methods that you can find where you can receive a healing. So anyhow, uh, he thought, well... I guess I'll, we'll do that. So they anointed her with oil, and she was instantly healed. Uh, uh, Deuteronomy says, uh, the secret thing belongs to the Lord, but that which is revealed belongs to us. <laughs> so you don't always know why, but I will tell you that if you follow the leading of the Spirit of God, he'll lead you to the right thing. And, um, you know, when ministering to people that need healing, incidentally, one of the best ways to minister to them is you talk to them and you say, you know, if they, especially if they know the word at all, um, what's your favorite scripture? What scripture seems like you're just drawn to it? Your attention comes to that concerning healing. And that's the scripture you get them to meditate on and you get them to act on because there'll be faith there. Because the Lord's already stirring something, stirring something uh, in them uh, about that scripture. So one thing about faith is it's uh, confidence in God's love for you. So Jesus said, any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. And he stood up and cried with a loud voice. And I mentioned, I like how Donald G said it. He, he has a chapter in a, a book he has, I think called God's Great Gift. And the chapter is, says, when Jesus shouted. So all of this stuff is going on. This is the most festive time in all of the, all of the um, feasts that they would do. It's the most festive feast. And so they're all rejoicing, like joy like you've never seen. If you haven't seen this, you've never seen joy. And this is how they're rejoicing. And Jesus stands up in the middle of this while they're spilling this water out. It's cascading down the stairs. And he said, with a loud voice, cried out, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. So Jesus is seeing the same picture that these Jews have seen, and they've seen it year after 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 year. And he sees this, and he's like, have you ever seen, like, um, have you ever gone into a group of people, and they're like, I just don't, I just, I don't know, I just feel like I need something else. Somebody maybe is not born again, and you just want to, like, scream, like, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And, you know, Jesus comes into this, and he's like, he's like, if you're thirsty, come unto me and drink. And um, so I want to like put that in everyday terms. So I started uh, in last week's message. I mentioned them real quick. We didn't have a lot of time. Uh, but how do you drink? Jesus said, come to me and drink. So how do you drink? Like, you, like you've got a glass of water? You've got a, can, can I take a glass of water and drink? Well, think about if you have a teenager and they are just listening to um, secular rap, let's say, because typically secular rap can be some pretty horrible lyrics. 
Um, I've got a, a really good friend that we'll have come here sometime, uh, but he, uh, he, he was a rapper uh, named Sinister, and he got born again, and now he's a rapper named Minister. And he has some of the most Holy Spirit, faith-filled lyrics that the Lord has given him, really revelations, really like psalms turned into raps. And uh, it'll bless your socks off. Uh, but the other stuff doesn't. Right? Talking about killing people and all kind of junk. Um, but you can see like a teenager could go unto like a rapper or that, that music and drink. They're drinking it in. They're taking it in. They're all about it. They could tell you everything about them, like when they were born, when they did this, when they did that. You talk about sports. Somebody could go and drink in like sports and stats and this and that. And, you know, um, we even learned in the Ten Commandments that you're not supposed to have any other idols before the Lord. That doesn't mean you can't do other things. It means they can't be what is consuming you. Right? We are to be consumed by the Lord. Proverbs 4 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Keep them before your eyes. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Why? Because God is so good. Read the rest of the verse. For they are life to those that find them and health to all of their flesh. And so... um, his plan is best. So you can actually drink just by focusing in on something and focusing in on someone and finding. And so you're kind of like, um, remember when the, um, uh, I think it was Peter and John were ministering uh, in the New Testament. They were going to minister to this person to be healed. And it said that he looked on them to receive something. And so to drink from Jesus, you want really want to look to Jesus to receive something. You look to him to receive. So uh, point number one is look to Jesus. And uh, that's Acts chapter 3, 5. Um, it says that uh, that was the layman at the gate, beautiful. He looked on him expecting to receive. Yeah. And I think most of the message last week we talked about, um, you know, when I was in Michigan picking peaches, and it was like almost the end of harvest of peaches. And so if you would like grab the branch and shake it, it would fall off right into your hand and then... Really, you'd have to eat one right away because they're so juicy and so wonderful, and it's like dripping all down, and oh, it's so wonderful. And um, uh, my grandparents growing up used to take, and uh, they would go peach picking, and then they'd take the peaches. We'd eat some of them right away, but then they'd freeze a lot of fruit. So they'd take peaches and sugar them and put them in bags and put them in the freezer, and then later we'd take and we'd pour them out over ice cream. And oh, my goodness. It was so good. My favorite fruit, I think, is probably strawberries. And so we would do the same thing with strawberries, strawberry shortcake. Strawberry season's coming up not too far away. I love strawberries. And I will, I'll take like uh, those Bisquick biscuits, and they're drop biscuits, and mix it all up. And I like them. They come out warm. And then I like to put butter on them so that the butter is like saturated on the biscuit. And then we would take the strawberries and we'd crush up the... Listen, growing up, this would be our whole meal. Like on Saturdays, we'd go to my grandmother's house and no other food, no, no, you know, very unhealthy. And so you, you like pour it on there and then we would put whipped cream on it or sometimes ice cream, but I like uh, generally whipped cream on it and so good. And um, the reason I'm going into this detail is I like that food. And because when you get thirsty and when you get hungry, what do you want to do right now if you like that kind of food? You're like, I really want to go get some of that. Like, can you please stop talking about it? Because you're making me distracted. 
Well, this is what Jesus said. Come unto me and drink. If anybody thirsty, come unto me and drink. So you realize if you start to look at the word of God, and that's why I said uh, when we first started this, if you'll just meditate on Psalm 107 verse 9 about being thirsty and being hungry, that that'll actually create a thirst and a hunger for you in you for the things of God. And so you start to meditate on, you start to think about, all of a sudden, you may, uh, you may feel like the most unspiritual person. You could care less if you read the Word of God. You really care less if you pray. But if you, with your heart, believe and confess and meditate like on scriptures like that, it will produce in you what it says. Because the Word produces after its own kind. It's a seed. It's like planting a seed. If I plant a corn seed, I'm not going to get a bean plant. So you plant that seed, and then that thirst and that hunger starts to come. So I just planted a seed, so maybe you'll go today and get some biscuits and get some frozen strawberries and crush them up and put them on there. Right? You might not have thought about that till today. And then you'll be like, oh, I'm going to go get some strawberry shortcake, or I'll go have some peaches or something like that. And um, so I really said that for illustration purposes because you really what you talk about you start to uh, be drawn towards that's why like I mentioned the rap and stuff like that and I really I like to be on the side of if you preach the truth of the word people will gravitate towards that I don't like to say like don't do this don't do that you know really if you focus on the word focus on the Lord you really don't have time to do the rest and the rest just falls away because you're not planting those other seeds words are seeds so you can plant words you know, you could tell someone, you're the ugliest person I have ever seen. Or you know what? Uh, a pastor that I went to his church for a while, he was uh, coming off the mission field, going to pastor a church, and another minister sat down with him and said, oh, you can't pastor a church. You don't know what you're doing. You can't do it. And it crushed him for a while. It affected him. Because why? Words are powerful and words are seeds. And so sometimes we, we focus just on words that other people speak over us. But do you realize that the words that you speak about yourself have power? Yeah. Like, I'm never going to amount to anything. Or, will I ever get this? Or, um, it's just a waste of time for me to try to pursue God. I always fail. I always mess up. All we have to do is renew our mind with the Word of God. Actually, the Bible says that we are transformed. So you look at yourself and you'd be like, oh! I don't even remember how I used to think because I think so differently. And the word of God is the only thing that can do that. You shall know the truth, Jesus said uh, in John chapter 8, and the truth shall set you free or make you free. And you can go to a great service, anointing the Holy Spirit, the anointing breaks the yoke, destroys the burden, and um, uh, we need those. But if you don't Get back in the word, fill it with the word. What happens? The principle of things that are from the devil or of the devil is um, they will go away, walk in dry places. See, even he doesn't like to be in dry places. Seeking rest and finds none and says to himself, oh, I'm going to go back to the house that I, went, that I was in, but I'm going to grab seven other spirits more wicked than myself. And then the last state is worse than the first because it says that he found the house empty, swept, and garnished. That just means like you didn't actually put the word in there, so you had this legitimate experience from God. This happens to people all the time. They get an atmosphere of faith. You get believers together, and if they're actually believing, you've got an atmosphere of faith, and you can receive your healing, sometimes easier there than you can on your own, especially if you're not doing it according to the word of God, if you're just like waiting for something to happen. Well, uh, you can be guaranteed if you go from the word. But you get there, you receive, and then a couple weeks 
later, when you're not in the service, that symptoms come right back on you. And what do most people say? I guess I didn't get anything. And what do they have? What they say. Right? Because faith uh, acts on what the word says, not what, on what your circumstances say. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11.1. One One translation says, faith is giving substance to things hoped for. I want to look uh, real quick and read you a quote from uh, A.B. Simpson. Amazing, um, amazing testimony of healing that he has. I mentioned it last week. And he was um, sick basically for 20 years. And... um, See if we can find it real quick. There it is. Okay, A.B. Simpson, he finally got fed up because he was a minister and he would be in the pulpit and he couldn't, uh, after a Sunday, he physically had to wait till Wednesday before he was like actually um, had strength again to start his message for the next week. Um, and uh, he couldn't hardly get up and all this stuff. And this was for a long period of time. But uh, he said, okay, I'm just going to shut myself off with the Lord. He went up to his like vacation place up in Massachusetts and then went into a little grove of trees and started studying the word. And he said, I'm just going to look and see what does the word say about healing. And so in his testimony, he's got all these wonderful uh, pieces of revelation he got from the scriptures. But once he saw it, then he made a dedication to the Lord. He said, well, I will never again... Um, think other things. I'm just going to go according to your word. And he said this. He said, I arose and it had only been a few moments uh, after he prayed and made his dedication and that he received, he believed what the word said, so he received his healing. But I knew that something else was done. Every fiber of my soul was tinkling with a sense of God's presence. I do not know whether my body felt better or not. I know I did not even care Or want to feel it. It was so glorious to believe it simply and to know that henceforth he had it in hand. Henceforth just means like from now on, from this moment forward, he had it in hand. That's really what real faith is. That you're like, you know uh, you're going to feel it. You know that the change in your body, if you're thinking of healing, is going to come. But you are so sure and so satisfied Because you just saw from the word, look what my God did for me. Like faith is now, and faith is for you, and faith is present. So you have to look to Jesus uh, and look expecting. And then number two, you feed on the word. Um, What you feed on naturally is what you become. And um, I mentioned last week the McDonald's experiment. That was a horrible experiment, the 30 days. I'll eat McDonald's for 30 days, see what happens to me. And I think, you know, he probably almost died. Um, but you have to feed on the word of God. So you, you say, like, I'm not thirsty, I'm not hungry. Well, you feed on the word. You actually be hu- become hungry for what you're feeding on. And um, you feed on the word of God. Understand the love that God has for you. Faith is confidence in God's love for you. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then be being filled with the Spirit. Two separate things. Right? Acts chapter 2, so 4 says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, there is experience after salvation called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, but some people will um, get born again and think they have arrived. Some people will get born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit and think they have arrived. And they just kind of like, uh, okay, 
So everything should be good and automatic. No, it's not good and automatic. We like, apprehend the violent, take it by force, the Bible says. And so uh, Ephesians 5.18 says, be being filled with the Spirit of God. In other words, stay full of the Spirit of God. Stay in a mode receptive to the Spirit of God. And then you'll actually go beyond yourself. Yeah. And that's drinking. So you're saying, okay, Lord, I'm looking to you right now in this situation, in this circumstance. Um, and, uh, you know, the Lord has things for you and me to pray out that we don't even know, that we're not even conscious of, that it's so important that we be available for him to pray through us. Because uh, John Wesley said, it seems that God can do nothing in the earth unless someone asks him. So God's searching. You know, he said, I search for someone who will make up, stand on the wall, make up a barrier, someone who will stand in the gap. He's searching for people that are available for him to speak through, to pray things out, because he wants to do things in every one of your lives and every one of the lives of the people that are alive on the face of the earth. But he's looking for opportunities. And so as you give yourself over to the things of the Spirit, as you stay full of the Holy Spirit, you do things that you didn't think about. You say things that you didn't come up with, and you're like, well, you know, well, what we say is, where did that come from? But we really know where it came from most of the time. especially if you're active in doing this, if you're conscious of doing this, but you yield to the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said, come unto me and drink. And then in Revelation chapter 20, verse six, we read, and he said to me, it's done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst or that is thirsty, the fountain of the water of life freely. And, of course, Jesus said, uh, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. So you just take the word and you say, this is what you said, Lord, especially when you feel dry. This is what you said. You said if you're hungry and you're thirsty. You said, well, I don't feel hungry and thirsty. Well, Lord, I declare that I am hungry and I am thirsty. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved only by what I believe. And I believe that you will fill me to overflowing freely of the river of life. Well, what's in the river of life? All kinds of life is in the river of life. Jesus said, um, come unto me and drink. You're thirsty. Out of your belly will flow rivers, not a river, but rivers of living water. Well, what's in the water? Health is in the water. Divine health. Walking in divine health. Healing. Healing's in the water. Healing of every sickness and every disease. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. If you look in Deuteronomy, find out what the curse of the law was. It was spiritual death, poverty, and sickness. And if you list, it actually lists all these sicknesses. And after it lists all the sicknesses, it says, and any other sickness and disease that's not written in the book of the law. So he redeemed us from every sickness and disease that's written in the book of the law and everyone that's not. Well, that would be every sickness and every disease. They say that you can classify all sickness and disease into 49 categories, and by his stripes we were healed. We learned from the word of God, and Jesus was striped on his back with a whip 49 times. It's almost as if it's one time for every single category of disease. He paid the penalty for us all. And so um, there is joy in that water. We draw... Uh, With joy, we draw water from the wells of salvation. Salvation is not just going to heaven when you die. Salvation actually contains physical health and healing, emotional health and healing, mental health and healing, and of course, spiritual health and healing, being a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
And so you draw waters from the wells of salvation with joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So what you do is you find the word, you see what you need, and you get happy about it. Why do you get happy about it? Because you start to realize this is true. Wait a second, this is real. And I, I don't know who I was telling somebody this morning, and I said, I just like, do you realize like, the spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus, that same spirit that is God himself lives inside of me, lives inside of you if you're born again. His spirit that is him, that has everything, that has all of the knowledge and wisdom and understanding and abilities that he has. Somebody said, well, Jesus knew how to receive. Jesus knew how to minister. Jesus, okay, well, he lives in you by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so you just look to him. And he will actually give you the right thing to do like he did to that instructor. Go anoint her with oil. And he's very patient and he's a gentleman. So he won't push it off on you. He'll wait till you ask. And um, we don't have so many things because we don't ask, Jesus said. You have not because you ask not. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you're listening online and you don't, Jesus died for you. He died for me. He died for every person that's alive, has been, or will be on the face of the earth. And he paid the penalty and the price for you. And we cannot do it without him. You, you can't clean yourself up. You can't get good enough to come, to pray, to do all this stuff you're not supposed to. He doesn't want you to. He paid the price for you. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were messing up, while we were missing it, while we were doing the most evil things and saying the most evil things, he paid the price and he showed his love. So if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and I'll pray with you and for you. Or if you're listening online, I want you to email us and I would love to pray with you and for you. If you're here this morning and... You've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, um, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You can be, and it's a wonderful experience, and Jesus himself is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We'd love to pray with you and for you. Just slip up your hand or come and see me or another leader after the service. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for filling us with your spirit. Thank you for redeeming us. Oh, we're so thankful. Oh, Father, that you've brought us into your own family. Father, we thank you for the wonderful time that we've had in this message, in this series, Father. I pray that you will, as each of us, draw near to you, Father. You said that you would draw near to us, Father. Thank you for putting that in your word so we could do it and experience the benefits of it. Father, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you and in knowing what you have done for us, that it would flow in each and every life that's here, each and every life that's listening. Father, thank you. Without you, we are nothing, but with you, all things are possible. Father, we thank you for your plan for each and every one of us, your assignment for each and every one of us. I plead the blood of Jesus that prevents deception and abhors every attempt of the devil and the enemy to deceive each and every one of us. We declare that we will do your plan, we will follow your will, and we'll stay full of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.